to WVNG Ed Talks, a simple discussion about sometimes complex military education benefits. I'm Dr. Sherry Schaefer, Education Services Officer for the West Virginia National Guard. Today's show is about study habits and how you can improve them. Whether you are fresh out of high school or going back to school after a gap, these skills are vital to your academic success. Joining me today is Ms. Elena Dorsey from West Virginia State University. She is the Academic Support Specialist. Welcome to Ed Talks. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself and how you became involved with working with students to improve study habits and academic success. Sure. So I am a former student at West Virginia State University. I received my psych degree from there. And then, um, and actually during that time, it was not until my senior year that I really knew what career I wanted to get into. I knew I liked helping people. Um, and so then I pursued a master's degree right after my bachelor's degree. And that master's degree is in higher education from the university, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And then throughout that time, I thought that I wanted to help college students more so outside of the classroom. And so I started my higher ed career in residence life and really focused on social aspect of college, making sure students were making the right choices, how to balance socialization with your academics and things of that sort, which is all still very important to having a successful college career. Um, But then I really started to getting into the academic side of the house and having, having an interest in that and helping students learn how to learn essentially everybody learns differently Um, we have visual learners we have kinesthetic learners um, and just you know really honing in on what works best for each individual and even you know deeper into that what works best for each type of class you know different strategies that you may use for your sciences may not work for things like English classes or art classes Um, and so really just honing in on that And getting students to understand that if they figure that out at an earlier um, time in their college career, it makes college a lot easier. And it is not because they are smarter than anybody else or somebody smarter than them. It is simply for the fact that they have found strategies that work best for them. And so I really started to get into that. And then um, I took this job at West Virginia State University as academic support specialist. And so I oversee the tutoring centers. I oversee supplemental instruction. I work with the financial aid office um, with a cohort of students who are on financial aid probation. And so that means they are pretty much at their all-time low as far as their academics go, so low to the point that they are in danger of losing their financial aid. And for many college students today, not just in West Virginia, but just across the nation, many folks cannot afford to pay for college out of pocket. Mm -hmm. You know, we rely on our financial aid. And so that's very, very important that they keep their financial aid status in order to stay in school. Um, And so I work a lot with students who are on an academic decline. And so a lot of times they only have one semester to be able to pull them back up to where they need to be, which is not a lot of time. And so we work to build, you know, pretty close relationships. They see me often. Um, we work really hard, and so I really enjoy it. So what do you believe is the biggest reason students struggle in college? 100% motivation. Um, From an academic standpoint, 
having the motivation to, you know, study subjects that aren't interesting to you, to study subjects that you question yourself, why do I need to take this? I'm never going to need to use it. Um, <laughs> I said that about math. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's kind of, it's just, it's just like that in life, right? Like if mm-hmm. we're not interested in it, we're not motivated to do it. However, as soon as you start to have that little bit of lack in motivation, you're already putting yourself at a disadvantage. You're not going to focus as much as you possibly could. You're not going to care as much. Um, that means you're not going to put forth the effort that you really probably have the potential to put forward if you actually were motivated to do it. And so we work a lot with motivation and finding different ways for students to remain motivated within their courses that they're having the most trouble with. Um, because if they can find just one thing to be able to make a connection to, to get them through the course, to make it relevant for them to understand why I need this, um, it really does make things a lot easier. Um, also, you know, with the amount of stress and anxiety that a lot of college students are facing, or even just the world today is facing, that increased level of stress and anxiety it, it can put basically a barrier up between um, two, two brain cells. And so you could be in the middle of taking a test and what we would call a brain fart um, sit there and you're like, I know I studied this. I studied this so hard, but I cannot make the connection. Um, it's because of that increased level of stress and anxiety basically hindered your ability to allow those brain cells to make the connection. Um, and so we talk a lot about the science behind learning and what actually physically happens in your brain um, to make sure that you're able to take in as much information as you can within reason. You know, we don't say that you need to pull all-nighters. We definitely, <laughs> we actually tell them, you know, one hour of strict studying. And, you know, I'm, I know later we're going to go into that a little bit more, but one hour of focused, organized studying at a time you know anything more than that is a little bit too much for your brain to take in and you're kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage at that point so yeah uh motivation big one do you think that <laughs> student, student status, status though, though you know whether, whether they're, they're what 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 in education they classify as traditional versus non-traditional, non-traditional and, and our military, military members, members typically, typically are considered non-traditional, non-traditional. Um, they're um, not they're that not fresh out of high school, 18-year-old, even though they, they are, are sometimes, sometimes then fresh out of high school, high school being in the military places in, in the non-traditional category. category. Do you think do you that think impacts the struggle, the struggle in any way or, or adds, adds to, to this, this um, ability to I, be successful? I think, I think it could, I think there could be pros and cons of both. Um, what, from my experience, I have found that your traditional college student who's coming fresh out of high school their college readiness is a little bit more fresh. Um, they have hopefully been through a K through 12 system that is preparing them to go to college. They hopefully had high school counselors that helped them through the application process. Maybe they've had siblings who have went to college. Maybe both of their parents have went to college. And so they may be a little bit more or think that they are a little bit more prepared to go to college from an academic standpoint. However, I will say on the flip side, a lot of non-traditional folks who are coming to college, their motivation is a lot higher. Um, And so 
it does not matter at that point where they are academically because their motivation is so much higher that they are able to take on a lot of those academic challenges. They're more willing to come to the tutoring center and ask for help. They may have children at home that keep them motivated. That is their why behind why they came back to college. Um, And so they can really fight through a lot of their academic challenges that they are facing where traditional college students coming straight out of high school, they may be still being in school. They may be unmotivated to be, you know, in the academic classroom. They came to college for the social aspect. Um, And so I think that there's pros and cons to both. Um, And so I would not say that, you know, one or the other impacts the struggle in any way. Um, I just think it's important to recognize, you know, which one you identify as and, you know, what challenges could come up and be always, always, always be willing to ask for help. Gotcha. So let's kind of circle back to what you were talking about with um, that focus studying and kind of get mm-hmm. at the no- nuts and bolts of it. And, and what what I've always heard of is the study cycle where you preview you review in class, mm-hmm. you study, and then you kind of self-check yourself for that understanding. Talk to me a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, we talk about the study cycle a lot. Um, and it's so simple and it's crazy because it was not anything that I ever heard of or implemented when I was a college student. And had I known that the study cycle was a thing, it probably could have made my life a lot easier because I cannot tell you the amount of all-nighters that I would pull <laughs> studying and in the long run (laughs) yes the thing that I preach about now not to do is the one thing that I was doing all of the time because I really thought that if I stayed up for eight hours straight all night and put in all of this time and focus on this one subject that miraculously all that information was just going to stick in my brain and it was going to be there forever and that was not the case Um, a lot of time it was just me memorizing information enough to get through a test And then as soon as that test was over, that information was out the window. And in the long run, that really hurts you because, you know, during finals week, a lot of exams are comprehensive for the entire semester. And so I would really have to go back and do a lot of extra work to go back over the information that I not remember. Um, And so I preach to my students a lot about the study cycle because it is something so small that you could do every single day to make call it easier on yourself you know the basic schedule for any class is about every four weeks you have an exam and so if you could prepare or think of it in chunks of four weeks and prepare for each exam by the time it comes finals week you should basically just be reviewing information that you learned over the past 15 weeks or however long your semester was um study cycle it's one hour long and that's it. Like you said, preview. That is simply previewing note or your textbook before you go to class. This is about 10 to 15 minutes. And it does not mean that you have to understand the information that you're previewing, but it's you putting vocabulary words, um, content, you know, diagrams, pictures. It's putting those things in your brain before you actually go to class. So that when you are in class, that's not the very first time that you're hearing or seeing these things. Another good thing about previewing is you can write down a couple of questions that you're hoping to get answered during class. So if you're reading over your textbook, um, side note, a lot of textbooks have objectives at the beginning of each chapter. Read those. 
Those are going to tell you what this chapter is about. So if you were clueless about what some of those things are, write them down and make sure you get those things answered during your class period. And if your professor or instructor does not go over that um, during class, ask them afterwards. It's so, so important to fill in those gaps. After you preview for that 10 to 15 minutes, this next part, it, it makes sense, but it's so hard for so many college students. Go to class. Go to class. You have to attend class. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, you have to be there to see the information and to hear it. And I know, you know, today with COVID and so many things being online, it could look a little bit different. Um, but if you have the opportunity to go to class face-to-face -face or participate in class over Zoom or things like that, you have to go, okay? Step three is review. It is just the same thing as preview, 10 to 15 minutes. Review the content that you just got from class. See what gaps there are. Did you get your questions answered? If not, request that you get the answer from your professor or maybe a, a classmate or maybe you go to a tutoring center to see if you can fill in those gaps. It is um, much more likely for you to store information in long-term memory if you review directly after you have class. Now, we know a lot of times students have another class to get to right away or maybe they need to leave and go to work right. or, you know, other obligations. And so that's not always possible. But the sooner that you review after class, the more likely it is to be stored into long-term memory. The fourth step is to actually study. And this is what we call an intense study session. And this is where I said it's one hour long, okay? The first couple of minutes of this one hour, set yourself some goals. What do you need to get through in this next hour? What questions do you need to get answered? You know, maybe it's a math course and you have a specific set of um, problems that you need to work through. Whatever it is, set yourself some goals. This keeps this one hour focused. Um, then for the next you know, 40 to 45 minutes, you're actually studying. You get rid of distraction. You are in a space that is going to be supportive of your learning. And that could look a little different for everybody. For me, I needed to be in the quiet, but I could not be in my residence hall room because there were so many distractions. All of my friends were there. You know, my bed was there. I could lay down and take a nap anytime I wanted to. <laughs> so I had to get out of that space. Um, and go to like the library or a lounge or, you know, a Starbucks or whatever, um, just to get myself into an environment that I was going to be able to focus for 40, 45 minutes. So then after that, you reward yourself with a break. Okay, it's very important to take these breaks. This is not a one hour nap. This is not, you know, something huge. This is just, you know, a get up, walk around, maybe go to the restroom, grab a snack. Nothing that's going to get you distracted from all the work that you just put in. I tell my students a lot, do not pick up your phone. Um, because during this time, you could get involved in text messages. Maybe you make a phone call. Maybe you get on TikTok or Snapchat or whatever. And before you know it, hours have went by. Right. And you've not actually finished your study session. And so it's a very intentional break. It's to help your brain process everything that you just did. It is not meant to to you um, and then like you said the, the very last step is checking for understanding so assess yourself the biggest question the most important question that you could ask yourself is do I know this enough to teach the class and I ask my students that all of the time because 
studies show that if you ask college students, what are you most likely to study harder for? To teach the class or to get an A on exam? Nine times out of 10, they're going to say to teach the class because the amount of pressure that it takes to stand up in front of your class, to not look silly, to be prepared to answer questions, all of the questions, you really got to know the content to be able to stand up there and teach it. So if you ask yourself that and you can honestly say that, yeah, I could get up front of my class and I could teach them all about this, then I would say that that past hour of studying has, like, you've done your job. Um, And so ask yourself that. And if you answer no, you're not comfortable with where you are yet, take a break. Go, you know, if you have other obligations or responsibilities, go do that. Now's the time to do that. And then you need to come back and you need to do another study session, an intense study session. So, I think, um, so, yeah, so that's the study cycle. So I think that many students think, you know, it, it's it's enough. I just, I read the book. I, I read my notes. Uh, I, I'm good. But, you know, I was reading mm-hmm. an article not too long ago from UNC Chapel Hill that was, uh, it's called Studying 101, Study Smarter, Not Harder, um, if you want to check mm-hmm. that out online. But it's, um, it was talking about reading not being engaging, and the key word there was engaging with the material. And so I think kind of what, yeah. what I'm hearing from you is is that students really need to just stop and engage. Does that, I mean, is that kind of where you're going with that in the study Yeah, cycle? absolutely. And it's, it's exactly what you said. It's about studying smarter, not harder. When I was forcing myself to sit for eight hours all night long, I was making things way harder on myself than it needed to be. Um, And really was probably not doing myself any good from like a mental health wellness standpoint either. Um, And so, yeah, be smart about it. If you are actively engaging with your study materials, textbooks, notes, PowerPoints, voice recordings, whatever it is that is your thing, if you are actively engaged with that, you are going to store information, which is going to make your studies a lot easier. I tell my students, when it becomes exam time, it should not be, really, it should not be a big, stressed out kind of situation. It should be a review because you've been work the past four weeks to prepare for this exam, to stay up to date in your classes, to read over notes, to fill in the gaps and make sure that you have answers. You've put in the work the past four weeks. Now it's a review. Do you know it enough to teach the class? And if you put in the work over the course of four weeks, that's smarter. Harder is trying to fit content the past four weeks into one night before the exam. So what I'm hearing you say is that some people will say, I plan to cram. And I guess that's not a plan. (laughs) No, that's not at all. That's not at all planning. Um, You know, (laughs) And it's hard for me a lot of times to talk to my students about it because when I was in college, I did these things. But honestly, it was because I was never taught how to do it correctly. Um, And so if you take the time to figure out your learning style and what works for you, you figure that out early on, it does make things a lot easier for you, for sure. And I recently heard a a term called noise environment. And and I think for every Mm -hmm. person, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, like I like it to be completely quiet when I when I'm trying to to learn something. But other people like to have that background noise. Maybe it's music or a TV or something. To me, that's distracting. But um, mm-hmm. you know, is what are your thoughts on that in terms of the noise environment? I think you touched on it a little bit, but can you go a little bit? Yeah, deeper? and 
it's definitely one of those things where I say to each their own, um, because I was one of those people that needed to have quiet. Um, there are students who like to have their earbuds in and listening to a specific kind of music, um, just to have a little bit of background noise. So if you can work through those things and it is supportive, it's a supportive learning environment, then that's what works for you. I will say for a lot of my um, non-traditional students who talk to me about maybe like their home life circumstances, especially right now, maybe their kids are being homeschooled. Um, and so their learning environment is a lot different. It's a lot louder. They can't focus. Their, their attention is being pulled into so many different directions. Um, if at all possible, if you can remove yourself from that situation for a little bit to be able to sit down, you know, you need to make adjustments where you can, um, just to make sure that you are taking control of the controllable, right? Um, we assess this stuff all the time for our students because there are some things that can't be changed and we have to talk about how to work through this. But if there are things that can be changed, then we talk about what our other options are and we make them fit into our schedule. Can study groups be useful? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. If, and again, this is probably all, you know, everything is so relevant to COVID right now. Um, but typically can, in my tutoring yeah. center, yeah, in my tutoring center in the past, we would have peer group tutoring sessions because studies show that peers teaching peers is the best way. Um, you know, it, it's one thing if you're going to class and you're just listening to an instructor who's standing in front of you supposedly teaching you this material. But when you can learn it with other peers, if you can divide up the work so that, hey, you take chapter one, you take chapter two, and I take chapter three, and then we can teach each other, you are going to learn three chapters of content much faster and probably actually learn it versus trying to sit down by yourself and read three chapters in a textbook or organize three chapters of notes or, you know, that, that goes back to the whole motivation thing. If you're doing it with friends and people that you trust and have good relationships with, you're going to be motivated to do it because you're in it together. So, I think, yeah, I definitely believe in study groups. I think the key here at the, in our current environment, though, is to do it safely. So follow your campus absolutely. Your campus guidelines and or do it online, right? Zoom, Teams, yeah. uh, FaceTime, whatever you've got. Um, yep. Like, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so, uh, you know, I always try to bring it back to our service members. And, and essentially, mm -hmm. if they're doing everything right in terms of studying, but, but things are still not going as well as expected – when is it time to ask for help, say, from your, your faculty member, your professor? Sooner than later. I mean, if at any time you ever feel uncomfortable with where you are in a class, let's say you have a faculty member who might not tell you your grade all the time. And this is becoming increasingly more difficult for our traditional students because they're used to coming from high school where they have online grade books that are kept up to date all of the time where you get to college and you may not get feedback from your assignments for several weeks or, you know, several exams might go by and you're just starting to get a grasp on what is expected of your faculty member. And so it's, it's a very different process. Um, and so if at any time you ever feel uncomfortable or in the unknown with your class and how you're doing and, 
you know, do, do you really have control of this class? Ask for help. First and foremost, start with your faculty member. You know, get their opinion on things. See if they can provide you feedback. See if they can tell you um, different ways that you can study that subject. They're the expertise in that field. So you start with them. And then if you still feel uncomfortable, seek out additional resources. So Come find a tutor. Go ahead. I was going to say, what are some of those resources that are that are common to most college campuses besides the faculty members? Yeah. So you said tutors. Yep. Your tutoring centers, if your campus has supplemental instruction, that is a huge one. Basically, that is a student who has previously taken that course and received a really good grade in that. And that one person is like the dedicated peer tutor for that entire um, class section. So you have one-on-one attention with that dedicated person all semester long. They've already been through the class. A lot of times they've taken the same professor, and so they know what the expectations are and how to make a good grade in that class. So if you have access to that, absolutely attend your AI session. Um, from, like, an accessibility standpoint, um, if you are thinking you might need accommodations or if you're coming out of high school with an IEP or things of that sort, go to your office and talk to the person that's in that office that can help ensure that things are documented in your student file, that you are getting the accommodations that you need. Your college and university is there to support you and make sure that you succeed. And so if you're not asking for help in any other way, we don't know how to support you. We don't know what things that you need. And so the sooner you ask for help, the better. Um, trying to think what else most standard colleges have you know I had a, a student, um, I had a student myself once who was a, a West Virginia guardsman and he did mm-hmm. not go um, and ask for that special um, assistance uh, he yeah and and so he struggled the entire semester and at the end of the term he finally told me what was going on and I was like oh I wish you had talked to me because we yeah. could have gotten you some assistance and so, yeah, mm-hmm. that that's something that I hadn't even thought about until you brought it up. So, yeah, that's critical. Just it, it is very critical. Um, and it's, it's pretty common for a lot of college students to wait until near the end of the semester when they realize they right. may have that failing grade or they're not going to get the grade that they need to then finally ask for help. Um, and it's good that they eventually do come because now we can help for the future. But an entire semester has went by. And you're in a hole, you know, and it's like one of those things where I'm going to help you work out of this to the best of my ability. Um, But you need to learn early on to ask for help, you know, very early in the semester. Um, I did think of something else. Oh, if your campus has any kind of academic support offices, maybe somebody like myself, an academic support specialist, a retention specialist, success coaches, a lot of times they're called. Academic advisors is another really good one for you to go and talk to. Um, so any of those people on your campus, you know, go ask for help for sure. I think, I think too, for, for our military members, sometimes it's difficult to ask for help because sometimes yep. they see that as weakness, <laughs> but it's really not. And in this case, it, it's mm-hmm. smart. <laughs> yes, it is so, it is so, so smart because we are here to help you. So I tell my students a lot, help me help you. You know, I only know what I know. So the more information that you share with me about the challenges that you're facing, the more support I can get you. That's what we're here for. 
Right. And, you know, the, stati- the statistics, if I could talk correctly, are, are kind of scary mm-hmm. that, that 20 to 40 percent of all college students will drop out before they graduate. And yep. th- that that's scary. You know, you've got this goal, you've got this dream, but sometimes these things come up. And, and if you don't ask for help, you're going to end up being one of those people. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, from like a mental health standpoint to, you know, it's, it's one thing to work through challenges and, you know, I'm big into being mentally tough. Right. But when it starts to take a toll on you, it has nothing to do with who is smarter than you, who's sitting next to you that's getting the A and you're getting the F. At that point, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with you taking on so much stress, um, you know, with whatever is going on in your life or, you know, you just simply being stressed out about academics because it's not coming easy for you. If you ask for help early on, it can alleviate a lot of that at such an earlier stage, you know, and you start to figure out what kind of student am I? What works for me? How can I make this easier on myself? That's, and it's not about taking the easy way out either. I'm definitely not about you know, laziness or anything like that, but why not make it easier on you? And if you learn it now, once you graduate from college, you're going to be able to carry that on through, you know, your jobs and things like that. You're going to know what kind of learner you are and how you pick up on things. Right. So So two things I've picked up on, you said, find your why so that Mm -hmm. you stay motivated and then help me, help me help you. So help the resources on your campus help you. Do you have any last words of advice for our service members to, to study well and ultimately be successful? Um, or did I just sum it up would, for you? <laughs> you definitely did just sum it up. But also, I would say, too, you know, something else that comes across my desk frequently is this idea of if it's not coming easy for me, it's just not meant for me. Um, and I think that there's a lot of balance that needs to happen with that. Um, And so I guess it's a lot of self-reflection of what kind of work am I willing to put in? Um, And if it's not coming together, it does not mean that you need to quit college. There are so many other opportunities or experiences that you could have, such as maybe you need to change majors, or maybe it's just that one class it's with that one faculty member. And so maybe we need to retry the class at a later time with a different faculty member. So don't be so quick to be so hard on yourself to say that you can't do this. This isn't for meant, this isn't meant for me. Um, those, those negative thoughts, that negative self-talk can really become destructive and you really start to believe those things. And so really explore all of the different options that you have before you convince yourself that this is not meant for me, you know, you just just said the statistics about the amount of students that drop out. Those statistics are true, but the amount of students that could probably be saved is probably a lot higher because those students were so quick to just give up on themselves. So that's why it's so important to ask for help sooner, explore all of your options. You have no idea what's available to you on your college campus until you actually ask what kind of resources there are, what support, maybe even there's policies and procedures in place to be able to help you. 
for example, at West Virginia State, we have academic forgiveness policies. We have things called DF repeats that a lot of students don't know what that is. And so when you repeat a class that you've gotten a D or an F in, when you get the better grade, that grade pretty much takes place of the bad grade. And so a lot of students don't know those things exist, and they're just suffering through getting these Bs, and their GPA is falling. It's like, no, like you can repeat this class and get a better grade, and your GPA will come up, and, you know, it will be okay. You know, failure does not mean you give up. Right. Um, and so just don't be so, don't be so hard on yourself, and don't be so quick to quit. Well, Ms. Dorsey, thank you so much for being here and for all the information you provided today. For more information mm-hmm. on study assistance and study studying right at your fingertips, check out OASC. That's O-A-S-C, Academic Training App, from the Google Play Store or App Store on your phone. It's free for service members. You'll find more tips on test-taking strategies, study tips, and more. Join us next time on WVNG Ed Talks, where we will talk R&R, and I'm not talking about rest and relaxation. WBNG Ed Talks. Tune in, turn it up, and join the conversation. Mm-hmm.